1: On Saturday, February 22nd, Las Vegas received an inch of rain, it's a desert, you know, while the sun was shining in most of California, where February is the wettest month. And at the same time, Bernie Sanders, the millionaire social democrat registered independent, has been anointed the presumptive frontrunner for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination based on, wait for it, 50% of the vote, quote unquote, from Nevada. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. And in this case, I hardly know where to begin. With the sheer stupidity of the caucus process itself, the management incompetence at both the state and National Democratic Party levels, or the electorate that believes in fairy dust and dismisses related facts. It's a safe bet that the Nevada caucus of 2020 will be the last presidential nominating caucus in Nevada. The party that claims the Electoral College is undemocratic can no longer support a caucus process that shames people into voting a certain way because it's done in public, and what will your friends think if you exercise an honest opinion? And what does a caucus process reflect? The most ardent activist voice of the party. rather than the most representative. A process the Democratic Party, even with Tom Perez in town, has now proven again they cannot manage. More than 24 hours after the caucuses were held, 50% of the vote has not been counted. Or at least they're not acknowledging that it's been counted. Now, those of you who listen to me regularly know, I'm a process person and I have $2 billion in bottom line credentials to prove it. This is not a process that should take more than 24 hours to complete. It should not have taken eight hours to complete. I'm not a big betting person, except for an occasional occasional couple of bucks on a quick pick when the lottery jackpot hits a half million dollars or so, but I'm going to bet that something is, to paraphrase Shakespeare, really, really rotten in Carson City, and it isn't a 19th century silver mine. The total number of voters in that Nevada caucus is somewhere between 75,000 and 84,000 voters, depending on who you listen to. We're not even sure of that number. But 24 hours after the caucus is closed, 50% of the vote remains behind closed doors. The total number of votes that have been counted and announced is somewhere between 37,500 and 42,000 votes. I want you to compare that to 1.3 million ballots already returned in California. For the March 3rd primary. And you know, we Californians, while we love our vote by mail, we're kind of like last minute about getting it done. But 1.3 million ballots have already been returned. Curious about how this would go only 10 days after the Nevada Democratic Party announced adoption of the brand new Google programmed iPad system? (laughs) I was curious. So I tuned on the TV on Saturday morning. And as I predicted it would be, the counting I saw was being done by hand, using old-fashioned arithmetic done on pieces of paper with the calculations done on the moderator's phones. That means we have to assume their math is correct because there's no way to check it. There's absolutely no paper trail of how they added and subtracted, multiplied, and divided. In brief, in case you were having more fun and didn't really pay attention to this process, this is how it went. They counted the first preference of the very few people sitting on chairs in a casino or risers in a high school gym somewhere in Nevada. Then they added the first preference from the early voters in that precinct to the number of people sitting in those chairs. And they determined the candidates that had a total of at least 15% of the combined vote of that precinct. And they eliminated the candidates below that threshold and forced you know, the so-called um re-division or re-separation or, or wh- however you want to term it, you repeat the process um, by redistributing the votes of the uh, caucus goers whose candidates did not meet the 15% threshold. In one case, when it came to assigning um, delegates and it was a tie vote, They actually drew for the high card. Yes, I saw it live and in living color on television. So they then repeat this process until every candidate remaining in that precinct has at least 15% of the vote. Now that can be down to the fifth preference of the early voters and early voters comprised 91% of the total vote. Now, if you haven't either tuned out or you're not totally confused by now, I'm gonna ask you a really simple question. What could go wrong? Because clearly something has gone wrong because even if 125 site captains had to report their findings via a Google Excel group. I mean, actually go online into the Google group and put in their first preference and second preference and third preference votes. And by the way, they only got to first and second preference in most of the districts that had representation. Um, How long should that take? Ah! hey, we're living in the 21st century here, a few hours. And you know what the Google Group done on an Excel spreadsheet, a Google Form Excel spreadsheet would do? It would add those numbers automatically. If 24 hours later, we don't have the final numbers without wanting to be repetitive, something is rotten in Carson City and Pete Buttigieg, whose campaign sent a letter saying pretty much that to the Democratic Party last night, appears to agree with that conclusion. But then, you see, he, like me, is a management consultant. He's a McKinsey guy, and we know process. Okay, but here's the real problem. There's no way to go back and prove the numbers as reported are not the correct numbers because, again, they were done on pieces of paper, not, you know, only the final numbers were scribed on the printed sheets, okay? And they were the the addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division to a mysterious formula, is on the phones of the individual moderators and those phone calculations, except for the very last calculation you did, have all disappeared from your phone. And thus, 24 hours later, only 50% of the vote has been reported. And that screen tracker continues to roll. And I, for the love of me, cannot do the math that shows raw raw voters or or so-called voter equivalents of 10,634 matching to either 37,500 or 42,000 which would be the number of the votes cast. And that must be the mysterious conversion formula. So the consolidation through preference iterations to arrive at a winner should not change the total number of raw votes cast. So I can hardly wait for the full explanation. I think we're going to be waiting for a really, really long time. That's almost the good news, because the bad news is that regardless of the numbers on the ground, Bernie Sanders exceeded expectations among non-white voters, especially Hispanics under the age of 30, which may be further proof of the failure of our public school system over the past two decades. Because how is Sanders wooing those voters? He's offering them free everything, free healthcare, free college, free childcare, free housing, all paid by somebody else. If you feel a sucking sound, it's coming from your wallet because here's the truth about Nevada. Nevada has a really large low-wage population. Most of them are under the middle income of the United States, which is 66,000 for a family of four. And thus, they're not taxpayers today, except payroll taxes. Anywhere in the United States that you may live, I want to know how many 17-year-old taxpayers you know. Now, that was common when I was a kid. It's not common anymore. And you know what? Those people who don't pay any income tax, 66, who make less than $66,000 a year for a family of four, Those people pay payroll taxes, and that's the first thing that Bernie Sanders has promised to raise. Again, I ask you, what has happened to our educational system? But, Sanders has offered them free everything, and these kids went home and urged their parents to vote for Bernie. Leading me to conclude that the politics of envy are alive and well in Las Vegas. And I can understand why that's true, especially in the mirage that is Las Vegas. But on the other end of the state, Reno is a city with a growing tech population, fostering an economy based on real jobs. And we don't seem to have seen any results from there yet. Dum-de-dum. And now... The Democratic establishment is all up in its knickers. They've created a monster, and they don't know how to stop the steamrolling monster train from rolling on over them. Without without stealing anything from Tim Miller's excellent essay in the February 21st issue of Bulwark, The Five Lessons from 2016, Democrats Need to Understand If They Want to Stop Bernie, or Rick Wilson's new book, Running Against the Devil, which I'll review at reimagineamerica.org sometime during the coming week. Um, I finished reading it. Now I got to figure out what I, you know, what I think. But I'll publish that sometime this week. In the meantime, let me tell you that not without stealing any thunder from either Tim Miller or Rick Wilson, the Dems are not going to stop Bernie with policy bromides or attacks on Michael Bloomberg that sound more harpy-ish than harmful or political consultants on the sidelines, David Pluff and James Carville. <laughs> That's you guys. And now you're crying, woe is me for a big fat consulting fee from MSNBC and or CNN while Pluff pushes his forthcoming book to be published after Super Tuesday. It's time to do what we do in business. If you wanna stop the Bernie train. In business, we take on the competition and keep attacking them with facts until they leave the market or file for bankruptcy or both. So if you wanna stop the Robin Hood Express, you gotta pop the Robin Hood Republic old man Christmas everyday myth that is hashtag Bernie 2020. Bernie the supporter of the Castros in plural, of Chavez, of Maduro, of Daniel Ortega, of Papadoc. You want me to go on? I don't need to, you get the picture. Bernie is the supporter of the same oppressive dictators so many of these Hispanic parents fled to the United States to escape. And now their children are saying vote for that guy or are in fact voting for that guy. So let me tell you, dear Hispanic immigrant voter, past is prologue. And then there is for his competition, Bernie, the millionaire and how his wife lost her college presidency in a land scandal a well-documented land scandal. And then there's Bernie, the fellow traveler, with his praise for the Ayatollah, his continued praise and support for things Soviet and Russian beyond his Soviet honeymoon, his opposition to every single sanction ever tried to be imposed on the old Soviet Union, and the sanctions that Congress has enacted against the new Russia, even the Maninsky um, sanctions, Bernie voted against them. Bernie, the anti-Israeli, the revisionist history Jew supporter of Hamas. You see, I think you can be Jewish and anti-Israeli, But I don't think you can be a supporter of Hamas. And again, I got a whole lot more, and I don't even have a paid Oppo research guy. I just have Google. But there is an even stronger and less nasty path to banishing the Bernie threat to a 48 state Republican landslide in November. And you know what? My concern is that a 48-state Republican landslide in November wouldn't be good for either party or for America as a whole. But the reasons for that concern are better left to another day because we want to stick to sharpening the argument against Bernie so that we don't have to get to the reasons for why a 48-state Republican landslide would not be good for us, regardless of whether you're a Trump supporter or not. Just isn't good politics. It isn't good for the muscle memory of um, bipartisanship or um, or uh, the uh, importance of, of well-fought, well-contested elections and good public policy as it, that results from those elections. But again, those are reasons that we could leave to a different day. The argument that has to be made to banish Bernie without getting too negative goes something like this. Anybody can win a primary in which less than 100,000 people vote. If you spend five years evangelizing the Robin Hood Republic while ignoring home state voters and not passing a single bit of legislation in the last 20 years, well, you know, you can convince some of the people all of the time. Now, let's ask the second question. Bernie, you haven't passed any legislation in the last 20 years while you've been in the Senate. Why is that? Well, people in the Senate don't like you you're a nasty person. And then when we get back to the Robin Hood Republic, we gotta think, you know, it's easy to organize on high school and college campuses where the voters are most idealistic and gullible. And then to harvest those votes, which by the way, is not legal in Nevada, but yes, is legal in California, and somebody should be paying attention to that fact. Democrats should not allow this person. The argument goes on, who is not e- a democrat even today after the after winning quote unquote the vote quote unquote in Nevada, that person is not a democrat. So why do the does, why did the democrats allow him to take advantage of the DNC organization and allow him to leverage the DNC debate stage against longstanding elected Democrats. Why did the Democrats allow to take a center post in their democratic debates when that person did not support the 2016 nominee, Hillary Clinton, in action if not in name? The argument should continue that this person who is widely disliked by Democrats in Congress in both houses, thus cannot get his agenda passed through a Congress that doesn't like him and doesn't trust him and that doesn't feel he's a mem- belongs to the same party they do. OK? Well well what were that? What, where will that leave us? should his democratic opponents? remind the voting public. It will lead us to more autocracy, more government through executive orders. And the result of that, ladies and gentlemen, will be a more angry, disillusioned and polarized American voting public. And that is not healthy for the republic, the constitution, or the system of government we know and most of us believe in. And even by some miracle, an act of a God that Bernie does not believe in, some of his agenda could get passed. Would you as a consumer, I ask you, Do you want a healthcare system run by Democrats who cannot manage a primary caucus with less than 100,000 participants? And now we're off to South Carolina where the state elections apparatus does run a fair and square election.